You're listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Well, again, good morning, Anthem Church. You know it's going to be a fun morning when I bring a mini hoop up on stage, all right? So um, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up. They'll bring the lights up to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to be looking at the parable of the talents today. Normally, we just take a book of the Bible and preach through it. And in fact, next week, we'll jump back into Genesis and continue to just go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. But, but with this one, there's a recognition that we have students coming back, people visiting for the fall. And so just a desire to clarify uh, what we're about here at Anthem Church. And so we're going to spend our morning in Matthew chapter 25. And so I'll open with an illustration. So... Just a good old boy from the sticks of Iowa, somehow married a, just a beautiful wife who's way out of my league, and by God's grace, we have four uh, healthy little daughters, uh, eight, seven, five, and three. I had to think about that. In fact, which is fun, our, our three-year-old, I know uh, the, the life of our church, how old we are, because she was born two days after we started the church, and so she turns three this week, and so consequently, Anthem Church turns three this week, and so pretty exciting, but in our house, trying to get my girls into sports. Uh, their mama was a collegiate athlete. I wanted to be a collegiate athlete, so it's pretty much the same thing, um, and so we got them uh, this mini hoop that had like two hoops. It wasn't quite like this one. It was too big to bring up here on stage. But I love seeing my little girls like shooting baskets and making it in the hoop. And it didn't matter like before we had the mini hoop uh, hanging on the door. It was laundry baskets, whatever it was. And in fact, let me tell you a little secret. Don't tell them this. But when they were starting out, I would sometimes hold the hoop and move it (laughs) to ensure that the ball would get in, right? And so it was one of those deals. Sorry, we're going to do audience participation. Kat, are you ready? Oh, you put your coffee down real quick. Okay. All right. So it was be one of those deals. Okay. Just throw one on up there. Nice work. Oh, I lost the ball. Can you? I'm going to need that for my next illustration. But it was, it was just one of those deals where, go on and throw it on up here. Yeah, you got it. Whoa, whoa. Hey. Uh, good shot. Uh, that's how it was in our house. Like, it, and as a dad, I just loved to see them just make buckets and let it rain. And so consequently, they did not miss. And, and here's where we're going today in Matthew 25. I feel like this is God's heart for us as a church and for us as individuals. Just a desire to embrace risk, let it fly. And I feel like we have a good and gracious God who wants to see us win in these things that we would take risk and have a faith and embrace uncertainty, not knowing what the future holds, but knowing who holds the future. I feel like this is God's desire to bring us in, and it's our desire for Anthem Church that we'd be the kind of church, kind of people that takes shots in faith, not confident that we're that great at aiming things, but confident in the God that holds it. And so what that looks like practically, where we're going today is, I want us to be a church that sends more people overseas than we can ever think about how we're going to fund internally. I want to be the kind of church that says, man, I want to see the next campus reached, the next town reached, nationally, internationally, and planting more churches. And not just seeing a pastor go out, but a whole team of people. (laughs) 
terrifies, but, but even on that team, college and community people that are vital to the life of our church. I want to see that as a church. It terrifies me, but I want to trust God that in continue to see ministries started, to see our community being reached, to see schools, getting inside of schools and loving people. Do you get where I'm going with this? I want us to be that kind of people, and I want Anthem Church to be that kind of church. And I feel that what we're studying today Crucial to be in that kind of church and that kind of Christian is the truths we'll unpack today in Matthew chapter 25. And so with your Bibles open, we're going to kind of be starting in verse 14, but you have to understand the context of this. In Matthew 24, we see the context is this is Jesus with his disciples privately on the Mount of Olives, and he's bringing them in and he's telling them this. And he, these are some of the final moments when we're in Matthew 25, because the very next chapter is going to be the Passover, in which then uh, Judas would betray Jesus, Peter would deny Jesus, and then in chapter 27, he would be crucified. And so I want to stress that what we're reading today in Matthew 25 is some of the last words that Jesus would speak to his disciples. And I think that's important to understand because sometimes the last words are the words you really want and need to stick. And so I believe that even just where these are at in the life and ministry of Jesus are especially important. It's like parents, when you're going and you're giving your kids, like you're going away on a trip or something like this, any parents in here? You give your kids some instructions. And for the most part, it sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher, like wah, 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 yeah, like, yeah, sure, let the dog out, got it. But without fail, there comes this moment at the end of the instructions where it's like, now listen to me. My mom would be like, and you know it's serious when they use your full name. Stanley Anthony, listen. And whatever was said there, it was important. And and here's the thing. Jesus wasn't leaving town for a trip. He'd be leaving this world. And so these words would serve as marching orders for his disciples in his absence. And so we pick it up in Matthew 25, verse 14. And he's telling them in his final words, he says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Okay, time out there. First we got to see in verse 14, what is it that he's talking about? Understand the context. Just look just previously, earlier in 25, We see that he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. This recognition that we will meet Jesus. Either he's coming back or we are going to him. He is king and his kingdom will come. And so what he's saying is, in the parable just before that, he said, you need to be ready. It's coming. You don't know when. You need to be ready. And in this parable, he's talking about faithfulness. And so he uses the illustration of a master calling the servants and entrusting them with these talents. And I love what he says here. It says, trust in them. And he gave them five, two, and to another one, according to his ability. You wonder what that scene was like. He's like, okay, I'm going to give you guys what I think you can handle. You get five. You get two. You get one. I wonder if the guy getting one was like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it's kind of like my, when my wife is like, stand before you send that email out to all the members, I should spell check it. 
I'm like, that's fair. I'm terrible. I'm terrible. At some point, the gold stars in elementary did not incentivize me to learn words, okay? It's, I can buy those. I don't need to, well, I wish I would have studied a little bit more, but, but it's understandable. And so he entrusts them each to their own ability. Now, before you get to feeling bad for this guy that got one talent, you need to understand how much is a talent worth? This is a monetary unit, and if you're looking at your Bibles, it likely has a little footnote to tell you at the bottom of the page. You see that little, probably a letter there that points you down? It's not a day's wage. It's not a year's wage. A talent was equivalent to 20 years worth of wages. Okay, let's do some math, okay? Let's just say that a year's worth of wages, now college students, think about like when you get a real job, okay? Uh, let's, just, uh, let's just say a laboring kind of wage, $30,000 for doing some labor like landscaping or, or being a part of a cleaning crew, something like that. So $30,000 per year, over 20 years, $600,000 rough estimate of what a talent would be worth. One of those. And so one gets 600000 another $1.2 million, and the last one, $3 million. Holy smokes, okay? We're talking about a different level of wealth that the master has where he's like, hey, I'm going on a little trip here. Here's something to do. While I'm gone, go ahead and invest this. Different kind of wealth. And so I want to point that out. Because, again, even for him to entrust close to $5 million, he's going to refer to this later on in the parable as a little. He said to the one that got five talents, three million, he's like, oh, since you were faithful with a little bit, I'm going to entrust you with more. (laughs) How much is much to you then, right? This is a different class of wealth. It's like a friend that I have that's, that's going on vacation and he just flies his personal jet there. <laughs> this, I, don't, I can't comprehend, okay? Uh, different level wealth. And I want to understand that because we need to understand this because his goodness and his grandeur, how rich God is, invites us in to take action. Again, remembering the, the mini-hoop kind of illustration, the fact that God is good in his immenseness, in his grandeur. Psalmist says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Jesus would say earlier in Matthew that he feeds the birds of the air, that he clothes the flowers of the field. So don't worry about things. This is the creator who spoke creation into existence, who numbered the hairs on her head. And so the richness of God matters. His goodness enables us to take risk. I believe they understood the richness of the master, which is why there's not a whole lot of risk when it comes to being faithful with that. And again, it's what we said earlier. It's not knowing what the future holds, but knowing who holds it. And so there's no, there should ought to be no fear of failure of messing up. The only failure at that point is never making an attempt. And again, as you think about like the hoop illustration, the only way for my daughters to fail is to simply not throw the ball. You just get it close and I'll pick it up and I'll put it the rest of the way for you. The goodness of the Father. Honestly, 1 Peter 4.8 has been one of my life verses 
where it says, above all else, love each other deeply. Love covers over a multitude of sins. And as a, a leader, as a pastor, I feel like I don't always know the thing, but if I just love God, love others, seems like most of these things will work itself out. And I believe it's because of God's graciousness. And it's subtle, but the parable starts with pointing us to a very wealthy master who is exceedingly generous to his servants. And he's inviting them in. He didn't have to do this. He didn't have to give them purpose and direction while he was going on his journey. But he did. And I believe it's to their joy. And so we see in verse 16, he who had received the five talents went at once, traded with them, and made five talents more. So also the one who had two talents made two talents more. In verse 18, but the, uh, he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Okay, so note here that the one with five talents and the one with two, what did they do? They went at once and doubled these things. Now, when we studied this out in our connection group and previewed it, they're like, what investments were they making? And are those still around today? Because I've got some money I'd like to double up. Okay, I don't think that's the point uh, that he's trying to get at. And in fact, in verse 19, it said that they had a long time to do this. But they immediately, they didn't immediately double. They immediately went out and got to work. And throughout the course of a long time, they ended up with double now, I want you to understand, in order to do that, they had to take some level of risk. And you've heard it said, there's, without risk, there's no reward. So to do that, to trade and to, to be about that, there was some level of risk. That is exposure to potential loss. Consequently, so here's what it is. If you want to go buy a bank CD, and if you're one of those, like, I don't know what that is, talk to an adult. They'll coach you on what a bank CD is. But these, these are federally, I believe, protected, guaranteed. And so you put your money in the bank, and you can buy a CD for 12 months, and that means you leave your money with the bank. You can't touch it. Otherwise, it's penalized. But they'll reward you for that to the tune of about 2% annually. There's no risk but the reward is so minimal. That means if you put $1,000 in a 12-month CD, you'll get your $1,000 back plus 20 bucks. Buy a pizza. <laughs> Consequently, so no risk, no reward. Okay, contrast that with a high school kid within our church who bought a non-running car off of some dude for $300. Didn't know what was wrong with it. Okay, a little risky, right? Ends up figuring out the problem, puts $700 into this vehicle. So he's in it $1,000. Sold the car a couple weeks ago for $2,500. If you're not real good at math, that's 250% return versus 2%. High risk. That could have went very poorly for him. High reward. And so the reward is reflective of the risk that is taken or the work that is involved. That's why doctors get paid at the level they do, right? They, 
there's a lot of school that goes into that. It's a lot of stress. And there's a lot at stake. Somebody could die. Mixing a latte really doesn't require as much. No offense to any baristas, but nobody's going to die if you put the wrong syrup in the thing, right? And so it is reflective. The compensation is reflective based on the risk and the work that is involved. And so for these guys, I just don't want it to be missed. For these guys to double up meant they took risk and they were willing to get to work. That should be implied in that. And so the reward is reflective of the risk and work that was involved. If somebody just, it's just non-Bible lesson, just general. If somebody comes to you and tells you that you can make lots of money without doing any work and there's no risk involved, they are lying to you. They likely want you to sign up for something and you can just kiss that money goodbye. So just, just a food for thought. Because again, that principle without risk, without work, there won't be the reward. And so these guys are working, they're nurturing, they're caring, they're growing that investment so that when the master comes back, they doubled up. That's what these two servants are doing. And so we see in verse 20, here's what happens. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more. Again, please don't miss the monetary value here. Three million brought back three million more. Master, you delivered me five talents? Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much and enter into the joy of your master. Again, notice the same response. These guys return, percentage-wise, the same amount. 100% return on what was entrusted. And I love this, that, that, that as he accounts, he said, I've been faithful. I leveraged them. I took the opportunity. I got to work, multiplied, reinvested. And the response of the master, which is, again, supposed to represent the Lord here, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And again, Please understand the context of this. Is Jesus is telling his disciples this parable, some of his last words, because I really believe that Jesus wants them to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. They're the target audience. And what he's saying to them is, you need to be faithful with what is entrusted to you. There's going to be this period of time. I'm not with you, helping you manage these things. It's going to be up to you. And he's telling them this so that when they are reunited, he wants them to be found faithful and, and desires to speak over them, well done. At Anthem, one of our core values is this idea of stewardship. We want to celebrate together corporately, get connected in those connection groups, but we want to see people contributing contributing, giving their time, their talents, their treasures. In light of this parable, understanding that that's what God would have for us. He's given us these gifts. He's entrusted us with these things. They're given by God to be used for God, not to build up our little kingdom, but for the building of his kingdom. What comes to mind is a guy in our church, Zach Fleer, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't tell you I was going to use you today, Zach. Uh, but Zach 
is uh, he's an outdoors guy. I thought I was an outdoorsman person into hunting. I don't know anything. I hang out with Joel Wise and Zach Flair, and I'm just not. In fact, any of the nice hunting things I own right now, Zach took pity on me and just gave me his old stuff and is now the nicest stuff genuinely in my closet. Uh, And so, but Zach is an outdoorsman. He works in the outdoor industry. Uh, He calls on large retail stores, perhaps you've seen around in their ads, and he is one of the guys that is helping put product on their shelf. God has been laying on Zach's heart to want to do something uh, to reach other kind of outdoorsman people, people that would uh, love to be out in the woods and experience God in creation, but might not want to come to church on a Sunday. And so Zach says, okay, we can just meet them where they're at. And so you'll see on your trifold, like one of the events that's coming up is this sportsman kind of outdoorsman event targeted towards men, women, children, everybody, just everybody that enjoys the outdoors. Zach and some guys want to leverage that and say, man, you know who created outdoors? You know who's given us this opportunity? And use that opportunity to point people back to God. And so Zach's just like, hey, we're going to do an outdoorsman event and we're going to make this known. And he's lining up, he's calling on his industry contacts to get sponsors to donate like ammo and targets. He's using his own finances to, to secure a location. Because I said, Zach, you need to think big. I think, man, I really think a couple hundred people could come and show up to this thing. And he's like, got somebody to give him a gun. Either one of his or somebody in our church is like, I'll donate a gun to raffle off so some kid could get it. And I'm like, you bet all four of mine will be there. Uh, (laughs) Find another one along the way. And so we are entering into that raffle. But but you think about this is while that's on paper and while we can announce that, there is no guarantee that people are actually going to show up to this event. I hate to put that thought in your mind, but it's a reality. It's Zach could go through all this trouble, leverage these contacts, put his finances out there, his time, all this energy, and no one could show up. It is genuinely a risk. But I don't even know, even in that point, if it's a loss. Because God determines the fruitfulness. We just bring the faithfulness. Amen? That makes sense? Another way to say that is we rest in obedience, not results. You're being faithful with what God has given you and going out there and attempting to do something. What God wants to do, that, that's his thing. But rest in obedience, not results. Are we being faithful? And that's what we see with these guys is they're being faithful. And they get to hear, well done. And Jesus is telling his disciples this because He doesn't want to withhold this information. He wants them to know that they can enter into their master's joy by being faithful. And so God takes great delight when we leverage all that he has entrusted to us, not to build our little kingdom, but to build his kingdom. But still we have this this one guy who we haven't talked about yet who's still kind of carrying his talent around, and he hasn't taken any sort of shots In fact, he just buried it, and let's see what he says here in 24. But also, uh, he also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow 
in gathering where you scatter no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. And he brings it forward, and he gives it back. Again, I want you to note that he didn't go and spend it on some lavish living. He didn't lose it. He just simply brought back to the master what was his. Unused. And even how he did that, for a person that loses my cell phone a lot or my wallet, the fact that he dug a hole and buried it and left it for a long time terrifies me. That is such a risky move, but that's what he did. He just buried it. And hope it's there when he dug it up later. It didn't, and why did he do that? Why did he do it? Verse 25 tells you why. He said, I was afraid. Fear. I was afraid. And his fear didn't prevent him from taking action. It's still active to go and dig a hole and put $600,000 into it. He took action, but he just took the wrong one. And honestly, I can resonate with this guy. Because when I moved to Columbia with a team of people to help start Anthem Church, I, in all transparency, there was a level of fear. Because our family of churches that were in Iowa, they're big and established. And this was going to be the first time that we've done something outside of the state of Iowa across state lines. This was the first time that I was going to be a lead pastor and you got this team of people that are coming with you. Got your wife, four daughters, wanting to provide for them. And I'll just, in all honesty, there was a level of hesitancy in my heart to take risk. Maybe even not as noticed as corporately with the church, but personally, I found myself avoiding conversations. Here I had this awesome opportunity to tell neighbors and to tell people why it is that we are here. And I'm being honest with you, church. I squandered a number of those. And I, when I look at it, I can resonate because I think the root of it was just this fear. This fear. I didn't want to make a wrong impact. And what I say by that, what I mean is, is I was concerned about my relationship with my neighbor more than I was concerned about their relationship with God. I wanted to know how you view me. I want to make sure we're good. I don't want anything to be awkward with us. I, I mean, as soon as I say that I'm a pastor and I'm here to plant a church and I invite you, that could create some awkwardness. So more than I, I just don't want to have awkwardness. So I don't know where you're at with the Lord, but as long as we're good, I'm okay with that. And that was the fear, is that I didn't want to break relationship. Meanwhile, I have godly people like my wife around me who was being more bold. At the root of that, she just genuinely cared more about their relationship with God than their relationship with her. And consequently, not only did she help their relationship with God, but also they had a better and deeper relationship than I ever did with my neighbors. That's at the root of why Zach Fleer would want to do this. There is nothing personally. I mean, when you think of this kingdom here on earth, there's nothing in it for Zach. But at the same time, there's everything in it for Zach for future. But it's motivated by a love for others that we can take risk. And so if you find yourself hesitant, perhaps at the root of it, it's just a lack of love for others. 
And it's this idea that, that what I had is I just want to preserve myself. Self-preservation. I love myself and I don't want to. And Jesus warned against that. In Matthew chapter 16, he says, if you try and save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, that's where you'll find it. Here's the thing. We should be more afraid of leaving no impact than we are of leaving the wrong impact. Meaning it's better to attempt and perhaps say the wrong thing than to say nothing at all. When it comes to our family, our co it's better to attempt and try and do something rather than do nothing. Out of our love for others, be compelled to take risk. And here's what I was failing to account for. And if you're unwilling to take risk, perhaps here's the thing that you're failing to account for. Because I believe you when you say, Stan, if I try and have that conversation with my roommate or my coworker or my family, I don't know if I'll have the right answers. I believe you, actually. You might not have the right answers. I grant you that. But what you're failing, what I was failing to account for, is a God who is gracious that can fill that gap in. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit, Luke 12, Jesus was to say, that he is able to teach us what to say in those moments. A God who is so gracious that he can fill in the gaps where we don't know how. And so if the only risk we're taking are the ones we're confident we can make, we are failing to account for a God who is gracious and good, who can fill in those gaps. And so I'm saying, send it deep. Because we, we have a gracious God who can fill in those gaps and cover those things. And so I believe you when you say, I don't know if I have the ability. Yeah, I know. But we have a gracious God who can and does time and time again fill in those gaps for us. Man, not in my notes, but one of the stories that coming from campus this week is Chris Kurtz, one of our staff guys, just seeing somebody <laughs> preaching a false gospel right on speaker circle, telling everybody that they're going to hell, God doesn't love them, and just over and over again repeating, just holding up the signs. You know the scene, right? And Chris is like, I, whew, some point enough is enough, and just proceeds to preach and bring truth backed with scripture. I wasn't there for the scene, but supposedly the, like the crowd parted. And at the end of his uh, little sermonette, there was applause followed by silence on the heckler's part. And from that, people flooded over and said, man, I want to hear more about the God you just spoke of, the God who is. And how God is using that. And so I'm saying, would we be the kind of individuals in church that take risk? Because here's the re reality. For the one that's holding it and just giving it back, like, I didn't throw it. His master answered him in verse 26, you wicked and slothful servant. He, he doesn't correct him. He said, let's just run with your assumption for a little bit. Let's just say that I'm a hard master. Okay, fine. You knew that I reap where I had not sown and gather where I had not scattered, so there's this fear, then ought you have invested my money with bankers at my coming so I should receive what was mine with interest? So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance 
but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a hard teaching. But I want to understand that that not taking those risks, not being willing to go to work and to cultivate those relationships, to cultivate that kingdom work, and simply giving back to God what he entrusted us, it's not what he would want. And he makes it clear, and again in Romans 14, we're told that for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, Romans 14, 10. And 12, he says, so that each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Anthem Church, what that means is we will all stand before God someday, and we have to give an account for what it was that we did with what he entrusted us. And Jesus is sharing this, not to motivate us by fear, but, but again, starting with the goodness of God. He's saying, knowing that, I want you to be faithful so that you can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Being about kingdom work, pointing people to Jesus, using what God has entrusted in us to build his kingdom, not ours. And when I say that, I mean pointing people back to the Son of God, Jesus. This is what he wants his disciples to do. He's saying, I'm about to go. I want you to tell people that I came to earth, took on flesh, lived this perfect life to not only be an example for you, but so that my righteousness would be credited to you upon my death. Meaning, I will take on the cross, the punishment you deserve, and you can have my righteous deeds credited to you for the forgiveness of your sins. Oh, but not just the forgiveness of sins. Three days later, he would raise from the dead, defeating death, ensuring us that there is life after life. He's saying, so therefore, since there's life after life, what you do now matters. It has eternal implications. And why we start with Matthew 25, parable of the talents, is I just want to be transparent and let you know where we are going as a church. Because I want to be a church that takes shots, expecting great things from God and attempting great things for God, knowing that he who provided his son for us can provide also in all these little ways as well. Do you understand what God has done for us through his son, Jesus? And so when it comes to giving us the words, for a tough conversation, I bet God can provide that too. He provided a way out for our sins. I bet he can backfill our generosity with finances. God is good. And Anthem Church, sure, coming here on a Sunday, I want you to be fed. I want you to be filled up. I want you to be encouraged by worship. But it's in route to seeing us ultimately be sent out. And we've said it before that, that we don't want to measure our success by our seating capacity on a Sunday, but by sending capacity, the influence that we would have in our community, in our places of work, across the world. That's what we want to be about. And to do that, we have to understand what we see here in Matthew 25 today, that we have a good God who is able to fill in the gaps for us. All we need to do is simply let it go and take some risk be willing to get to work. Again, just to be clear, it's not by those works that somehow we're in right standing with God. 
Ephesians 2.8 says, For it's by grace we've been saved, through faith, not by works. Not talking about doing things in order to obtain right standing before God. But because of our right standing before God, we'd be willing to get to work. Those works are a reflection of our trust in his goodness. That he can and will move that around for us in order to get us a win. Because that is God's, why God chose that, I'm not entirely sure. Certainly angels sent from heaven would perhaps be more effective in witnessing to my family and friends than I would. But God's plan, that Jesus is letting them in here, is he wants to use his servants. He wants to use his people to reach people. And so we need to embrace that and partner with God, trusting in him in his goodness. I'm gonna pray as the band comes up. God, thank you so much that you are good. Lord, that we can just send it. Trusting that you can and will fill in those gaps. And so Lord, would you perhaps just be moving by your spirit now? as to what that looks like for us as individuals. And so, Holy Spirit, we just invite you. Invite you to tug on our hearts, perhaps with names or opportunities. And Lord, I pray that you, in your graciousness, we pray, in your graciousness, you would treat us like I do my children, that you would move that basket around and you would let us get some wins. You don't have to. To you be the glory Whatever the case, we rest in obedience, not in results. But God, would you please go before this event, the outdoorsman thing? And would you bring in all sorts of people to hear about your goodness? God, would you continue to go before college ministry, high school, our international farm day next Monday? God, would you go before all these things and all of our personal ministry in gracious ways that only you can do? So would you please bless those steps of obedience from today? for your glory. Amen.